Welcome back to Local News Live. Uh, we are here with a live interview. We are talking with Kim, um, Kim Mangiacino, and she is the executive director of the Children's Center for Advocacy of the state of Illinois. How are you doing? looks like we're having a bit of an audio issue um, that we're working through um, right now. So we'll hear from her in just a little bit. Um, can you tell us about the Children's Advocacy Center of Illinois and the work that it does? Absolutely. Uh, the Children's Advocacy Centers of Illinois is a membership organization of 42 children's advocacy centers that cover all 102 counties of Illinois. Uh, 39 of those children's advocacy centers are nationally accredited and the other three are working on that accreditation. And that means that they may meet the standards for um, what makes a child advocacy center to best serve children. So as a membership organization, we help support um, these uh, CACs. We uh, provide uh, support to them. We provide training. Um, we pass through Victims of Crime Act funding. Um, and basically give them the support that they need in order to serve the 14,000 children that came through their doors last year and um, in the future. So you talked about 14,000 children coming through their doors last year, and we're talking today um, in April, as it is National Child Abuse Prevention Month. What are the root causes of child abuse? And I'm gonna say, especially in your state, um, because one thing I did notice and kind of studying up before we talked is that the state of Illinois has child abuse cases that are higher than the national average um, and perhaps among the highest in the United States. What are those root causes? Um, I think one thing you have to look at when you look at uh, child abuse rates is not only the number, um, but for instance, um, Illinois is one of the only states, uh, we are a very large state, and we also have the most children's advocacy center are covering our state. So sometimes um, just the number of reports doesn't accurately reflect it because what we want is for child abuse to be uh, reported and properly investigated. So um, as in the case in Illinois, um, our uh, the children that we see at children's advocacy centers has risen each year. That doesn't necessarily mean that child abuse increases, that means that we're responding appropriately whenever there are allegations of child sexual abuse, severe physical abuse, and witness to violent crime. Um, children's advocacy centers are accessed and um, used in order to provide a multidisciplinary team response to those allegations of abuse. And that means that all the, uh, the parties involved with uh, investigating and providing treatment to those kids are working together. That would be law enforcement, Department of Children and Family Services, prosecution, mental health, medical providers, forensic interviewers, and advocacy. So um, that could, that is one reason for um, a, a larger number. Um, as for root causes, we see um, those nationally. Um, there are many root causes of abuse, uh, and they can range uh, among many things. Um, we, abuse goes all across. Um, all socioeconomic lines. It goes through um, every community. Um, most families are touched um, by abuse, either individually or by somebody that they know. 
Um, thank you for those responses. Very, very insightful. Um, even pointing out that it could be an indication, those higher numbers, that your team is doing a better job of in all of the community partners that you work with, um, that you're doing a better job of kind of identifying child abuse. So what causes child abuse to go unnoticed and things to kind of fall through the cracks? Um, yes, uh, in these last few years with the Me Too movement, um, with social media uh, pushes, what, we're having a lot more conversations about child uh, abuse and sexual abuse in general or specifically, and it's so important that we're talking about it and normalizing those conversations um, because what we're seeing is uh, when more people speak out, we're having a better response and other people feel comfortable speaking out about that. Um, child abuse is done in secret um, and it is um, done to children for a reason because children don't have a voice typically. Um, the, the, the thing about uh, Children's Advocacy Centers that is so important is that we do give children a voice. They're able to talk about their experiences in the way that it happened to them. And then we can respond appropriately um, to that. So I think uh, the biggest part is people um, talking about it and knowing that it's important to report abuse regardless of who the perpetrator it might be or um, what the situation might be. Uh, people don't, do not have to feel like they have to investigate a case um, as a bystander or a family member or a teacher. Um, but if they feel suspicious, they should report that to the authorities and then turn that over to them uh, for uh, investigation to see if um, there is any, um, um, if those allegations can uh, be pursued. Absolutely. And uh, another question that I have for you is, how do you think the COVID-19 pandemic has really affected um, the reporting of child abuse cases? I know that um, things are lowering in terms of COVID cases nationally, but at the height of the pandemic, what was that like for your advocacy center? Uh, yes, at the height of the pandemic, when the stay-at-home orders were in place, um, Children's Advocacy Centers um, stayed open. And um, the governor uh, stated that Children's Advocacy Center's staff were essential workers and that we uh, would continue to do our work, which um, we completely agree with. Um, child abuse um, does not stop. Um, however, the reporting did slow down. Um, and for people in this field, it was very concerning because um, again, we know it doesn't stop, but then also children didn't have access to the people that they could normally talk to, um, in particular teachers. Uh, we know teachers make about 50% of the mandated reporter reports to our child abuse hotline. And when children don't have access to them or neighbors or outside family members, um, um, there's the concern that they don't have anybody to talk to. Um, and then those people don't report. Um, so during that time, that was a, a particularly scary time. Uh, what we, we saw a significant drop for about three or four months um, but within six months, we were back to um, our um, more typical caseload. And then past that, uh, we saw about a 13% increase. Uh, we're continuing to see increase of children coming um, for investigations, and in particular, seeing increase of need for um, mental health intervention for children and their families. Um 
that, that's really good to know. One thing I'm also curious about, um, and it's a term that I've heard just in some of the volunteer work that I've done um, with child abuse prevention, what is a forensic psychologist and what role do they play in child abuse? Uh, well, in Children's Advocacy Centers, we employ forensic interviewers. And what a forensic interviewer does, um, they are specially trained to talk to children um, in a way that children are able to um, relay their experiences. So a forensic interviewer um, goes to a specialized training um, before they can conduct forensic interviews. And when the child comes to the, forens uh, to the Child Advocacy Center, the parent then waits with an advocate and gets the support that they need um, in order to help support their child. And then the child uh, then goes with the forensic interviewer and has a chance to have an independent conversation with a trained professional to ask neutral, non-leading questions uh, for the child to be able to talk about their experience. And then that um, interview with the child is viewed by those multidisciplinary team members that I mentioned earlier. It's also digitally recorded, and then that becomes a part of potential evidence um, in the case that children may, uh, may not have to continue um, to be re-traumatized by being asked um, to repeat um, the events of uh, the events, the details of an event later on. So for those parents out there who may, God forbid, um, have suspected or think that something might be going on with their child, um, what is that like and what could you say to them to assuage their concerns in terms of reporting it? I think the most important thing that we we need to talk to parents about is starting early about talking to your child about uh, their body and about their boundaries and about consent um, to um, touch their bodies and uh, that they should always tell if they feel uncomfortable or if somebody um, is doing something to their body that they're not comfortable with. You know, we talk about teaching children proper names for their genitals. Uh, we talk about having normal conversations about um, all parts of their body um, and there aren't any bad words. So that's starting from a really young age that we're uh, having those conversations so that hopefully as children um, get older, um, they feel more comfortable having those conversations and it's less uh, taboo of a subject. Um, and having that open dialogue with your kids as they're getting older so that if there is a situation that um, kids don't feel comfortable with, and um, parents are noticing some behavior changes where they're possibly withdrawn or um, uncomfortable uh, around certain people, um, that they could ask, ask questions to them um, in a way that is calm and clear and um, letting them know that they can tell you anything and they're not in trouble. Uh, one of the biggest um, blocks that come with kids reporting is they feel like it's, it's their fault and that they're gonna be in trouble if um, they tell someone. And that con constant reassurance that um, you're there to listen. And um, if your child does tell you something that's happened to them, um, to fight that natural reaction um, to, uh, and just listen to what they're saying in a calm way. Um, and then reach out to the authorities, either your local police department or your child protection hotline in Illinois, that's 1-800-25-ABUSE. And it's really important if this is your child or a family member or a child that you know, if you uh, hear something that's happened to them, uh, it's really important that you call and make that report 
and then leave that up to, uh, to those um, authorities that they can make those decisions moving forward. And what is your um, what is your opinion in terms of where are you finding like how are when kids are abused, if a finding is made that a child has been abused, where does that come from? Does it tend to be a stranger? Is it someone there? No. About 90 to 95% of children are abused by someone that they know, um, often trust and love. Um, that's the biggest myth that we try to combat every day. Um, there, of course, are always instances of stranger abductions or stranger um, assaults. However, it is much more common that we see that this is um, in the immediate family, extended family, neighbors, um, trusted coaches, teachers, um, anyone that has close proximity to your kids um, that can build trust with your kids and sometimes unfortunately exploit that trust and love that the child has for them. So really important um, that we are um, not always just concerned about kids and strangers, um, but, but also being um, really um, careful about um, who, who children are spending time with and paying close attention to how children feel around those people and how they're acting around those people um, and, and making sure that we're listening to them um, when they tell us. Uh, very insightful uh, what you've been sharing with us um, during our interview. My other question to you is what can the community do, just a member of the community, if they're watching this and they're wondering what they can do to help prevent child abuse, what would you recommend to them? Um, I think that's a great uh, question. I think we can all um, help about child abuse. Um, we, can, we can talk to our family. Um, if you're questioning if this um, is, is very common, um, talk to your family. Ask them if anything like that has ever happened to them. Um, do they have experiences like that? Um, you can have those conversations to, to understand those, adults, of course. Um, you can also check out your local ch children's advocacy center. Um, you can go to our website, and on our website, we have an interactive map um, in Illinois, so you can click on um, any of those counties to see who your Children's Advocacy Center is. Um, reach out uh, to them by their website or um, to, their, um, to their executive director and um, tell them that you would like to learn more about their CAC and that you'd like to help out. Um, and help out, help can be in many forms. There are um, opportunities for volunteering at Children's Advocacy Centers, for uh, court-appointed special advocates, um, there are a lot of opportunities for people to volunteer. Um, and I would just go back to my um, earlier point about uh, preventing child abuse. I, I, the biggest way that we can combat this is by talking about it and normalizing these conversations. Uh, we know that uh, one in six girls and one in four boys, or one in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually abused by their 18th birthday. So in any given classroom, you have two to three children that will be sexually abused by their 18th birthday. Um, that's, that's really important uh, that we keep that in mind and that we understand um, our role as a community is to listen and support and report. Well, thank you so much for your time. Kim Magrachino, the Executive Director of Children's Advocacy Center of Illinois. Thank you so much for your time. You've been so helpful and thank you for the important work that you do.
Absolutely. Thank you so much for your interest in this topic. I, I appreciate you.